Let's do that. Let's take it to the Lord in prayer. Lord God, Heavenly Father, again, I thank you for bringing us together this morning. I thank you for being uh, the king of the universe. I pray that um, through your words and scripture that we're going to read this morning and discuss, uh, that we learn how to make you the king of our heart, the king of our lives, the king of our universe. So thank you for who you are, Lord, and thank you for all you do for us. In Jesus' name, grace and peace to you from God the Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So um, I thought we'd start this morning with a little round of your favorite game show on mine, Who Dis? Oh, come on. Barry Alvarez, thank you very much. Coach of the Wisconsin Badgers for about 16 years. Very successful coach. Here's one of his successful moments. Ooh, that's cold. That's how I felt this morning going out to my truck. Uh, somebody's dumping that over my shoulder. So he became the Wisconsin uh, head, football, head football coach at Wisconsin in 1990, if I'm not mistaken. And um, he changed Wisconsin football forever. I mean, the Badgers are what they are now because of Barry Alvarez. I don't know if you remember the dark days of the 80s, but man, that was fun to be a Badger fan. Although my brother never gave up. You know, he always thought, hey, we're down 37-14 in the fourth quarter, but we got the ball. If we could just get a touchdown here and, you know, maybe an onside kick or two, well, we're right back in this thing, you know, and maybe we can get it to overtime. But Barry Alvarez, he did a couple things to make the Wisconsin program successful. One of the things he did was recruiting. We're going to be talking about how God recruits us. I want to tell you about how Barry Alvarez recruited people. One of the things he found was successful was to find former players, former Badgers, to go out and recruit the new players. So one day he's having a conversation with one of his players, former players, who was going to go out and recruit for him. And the kid said, well, coach, what kind of players are we looking for? What am I looking for here? And uh, Barry said, well, um, you know those kind of guys that um, are out on the football field and they get knocked down and, and they stay down? And the kid said, yeah, we don't want those, right? Coach, coach said, yeah, we, we don't want those guys. And the coach said, well, no, there's other guys that they get knocked down, they get back up, they get knocked down, but then they stay down. And the kid said, no, we don't want those guys either, right? And coach said, yeah, yeah, we don't want those guys. But he said, but then there's those guys that get knocked down and they get up and they get knocked down and they get back up again. They keep getting back up again. And the kid said, we want those guys, right? And the coach said, yeah, no, we don't want those guys. You know that guy that's knocking everybody down? That's the guy we want. That's the guy we want to recruit. That's the guy we want on our team. So, again, you know, um, that's how God works. You know, he says, I want to find the right person for the job. And he goes out and he recruits them. He goes out there and he finds those and to, the, to do the things that he wants to be accomplished, to have accomplished. Um, in many of God's choices, when we're reading the Bible, you know, and I often say this, that um, if somebody were just writing the Bible to try to make it this big fairy tale story, a lot of the people that are in the Bible would have to be omitted or we'd have to change their story a little bit because God used some amazing people that had some incredible deficiencies. Like, did you know, for example, that Moses had a stutter? All the things that he accomplished and all the things that he did, but Moses stuttered. And no, so is that the guy that you would pick for the job? And that's why Moses, part of the reason he said, I don't know if I'm the right guy for the job. You want me to be your spokesman? Sometimes I can't get through sentences and, you know, I can't, I stutter and, but God said, no, I'm going to use you. There's a guy named Jacob um, who deceived a lot of people in his life. And he flat out lied a couple of times in his life. And he got caught in those lies a couple of times in his life. But God used him for amazing things. They said Abraham was too old. Man, he said, well, I'll show you old, right? Naomi's a widow. That means that, you know, she's not any use in society. But there she was. Jonah ran from God, but God still used him. Miriam. 
was a gossip. These are just off the top of my head. John was self-righteous. Peter, a braggart. Thomas doubted. These are the stars of the show, right? They get best supporting actor for this Jesus story that we get told here. And yet we wouldn't maybe pick these people because on the surface, you wouldn't guess that those are the people that God would pick for his service, for his mission, to accomplish his mission. But then there's a complete other side of that. There's people that would pass the eye test, that we would say would pass the eye test. And yet they didn't come up for God the way that we would expect them to, right? That's not always the best test is the eye test, right? God says, I judge the heart, but you're looking at the outside. Now, last week I alluded to one of the most obvious choices of like that, the, the exceptions to that. The person that you would say, that's the guy for the job just by looking at him, just by watching him come down the street. So I give you last week um, King Saul, what we call King Saul, first king of, of, of Israel. He looked the part. Look at 1 Samuel 9, uh, verses 1 through 2. Um, there was a wealthy man, and Pam, you're welcome that I didn't have you read this this morning, by the way. There was a healthy, I'm sorry, a wealthy, influential man um, named Kish from the tri- tribe of Benjamin. He was the son of Aviel, the, so- the son of Zehar, son of Bechareth, son of Aphiach. You've got to say the hach, Aphiach, the tribe of Benjamin. I just put that verse in for the fun of it. I mean, you know. Pay a lot to learn how to speak Hebrew or pronounce Hebrew or butcher Hebrew, however you want to look at it. Verse 2, though, says this. His son was, and now it's not Saul, it's Shaul. Everybody say Shaul. Shaul was the most handsome man in Israel. Head and shoulders taller than anyone else in the land. That name Saul, that name Shaul, um, means desired. The root word of Shaul is to ask for or to be asked for. You know, if Kim Pritzloff was in the room right now, I'd tell him, you know, you can't make this stuff up. You know, the people asked for a king, and his name is literally means to be asked for. So the people asked for a king. I'm going to get to this in a second. God obliged them by giving them Shaul. Now, to fully understand where we're going with this, on Christ the King Sunday, this is Christ the King Sunday, so we're talking about the king, right? We're talking about the kings of our lives, the kings of our hearts. By the way, if you're expecting a Thanksgiving message this morning, I'm, I'm not even going to apologize. We'll get to those some other time. Because we're here to talk about the king of the universe. We're talking about the king, the creator of the universe. So question number one for you is this. Is he your king? Is the creator of the universe the king of your universe? Now, before we get to that point specifically, let's back up a little bit. Because I've got to give you a little bit of a history lesson here. There's a, first, we've got to talk about a guy named Saul, or I'm sorry, Samuel, who you've probably heard of. Um, you'll remember that his mother's name was Hannah, right? Um, she had prayed for a son and promised that if she got a son, she would dedicate him to the church. She would give, them, give this son to God uh, to be in the Lord's service. So no sooner was he weaned that he was brought to the temple to serve under a guy named Eli. Maybe you guys have heard, remember some of this from your Sunday school or from our jam sessions. There's Samuel. Um, here's the Lord calling him. Um, now, okay, so if we're, not, if we're not careful, things get complicated very quickly here. So I'm going to keep things um, for this part. I'm just going to keep it on the surface because there's a lot we could dig into uh, which each, with each of these, but then all of a sudden we'd be in, into a seven-week series that I'd have to cram into, you know, the hour and a half that you give me here this morning, every, every morning. Okay, so keeping things simple. Eli, although not mentioned in the book of Judges, Eli was a judge of Israel for 40 years, right? And he was a priest. He was a, a priest 
in, uh, at the tabernacle in Shiloh. We would actually say he was the high priest, but he was in Shiloh, so it technically doesn't count, but that's who he was, and that's how the nation looked at him. Again, keeping things simple here. Now, the way things work, the high priest or the judge's sons would usually take over for that person, take over in that position. Eli's sons were a disaster. Um, Eli's sons turned away from God, um, and let's just keep it clean here and say they went after the pleasures of the world. So Eli's sons weren't part of the deal. So Eli understood when God told Eli, your sons aren't going to take over for you. Samuel is going to take over for you. He's going to be the next priest. He's going to be the next judge of Israel. And so sure enough, Philistines attacked. Um, Eli's sons are out there on the battlefield. They both get killed. Um, Eli hears the news that they get killed. He falls backward from his chair, um, hits his head, breaks his neck, and, and he dies the same day. So now, boom, we got Samuel taking place of that leadership role. And now, because of God's power and because of Samuel being with God, being on God's side, we all, all think, you know, well, God was on Samuel's side. Well, that's because Samuel was on God's side. Um, this battle with the Philistines, they, they overcome the Philistines, and Samuel is now recognized as the judge um, over all of Israel. And then he served as judge of Israel for literally the rest of his life. P.S. Um, Samuel's sons were a mess, too. And so the people of Israel looked at that and they said, we're going to take that and we're going to use that to, their, to our advantage. Uh, we'll talk about that later. Again, we'll keep it kind of on the surface for our, our lesson this morning. But um, kind of because of that, again, the people of Israel said they wanted a king. Uh, but their reasoning was all mixed up. This was just an excuse to get to where they really wanted. Here's what they said um, in Samuel 8, 5. It's, the elders said to Samuel, um, you're old, and your sons don't live right. Okay, that's kind of an understatement, but it's true. Um, he said, they're not like you. Now, give us a king to rule us like all the other nations. Now, you can imagine that this didn't sit too well with Samuel. Um, he viewed this as the people rejecting him. And he had been doing an amazing job as both priest and as judge of Israel. Um, again, but simply put, the judges of Israel... Um, they handled basically domestic disputes. They handled the, you know, the court businesses, things like that. God handled the war part. Judges at that time couldn't consolidate the 12 tribes of Israel together. They didn't have that kind of authority to bring them together to fight one battle. So they were a little bit dispersed, and they were a little bit um, independent, although together. So that's where the judges were. But God would bring them together, all right? And, and God would fight, literally, he would be the one that was fighting for them. But God, okay, so God told Samuel, don't take this personally, right? They're rejecting me. God said they're rejecting me. They're not rejecting you. Okay, let's take that one down. So, all right, so now we're up to today's supporting actor for um, this, this one-act play that we're going to be talking about. This guy named uh, Shaul. Okay, so what do we know about Shaul? What do we know about Saul? Again, can't get past the fact that his name means um, to ask or to be asked for. And that's exactly what the Israelites did right there in, in verse, uh, verse 5, right? They said, uh, we want this king, right? They asked for a king. And, um, and when you hear their reasoning, it should make us wonder uh, what they were thinking. Look again at what they said in verse 5. I'm sorry, Jerry, pop that back up. The elder said to Samuel, you're old. Um, sons don't live right. Uh, now give us a king to rule us, and go ahead, like every other nation, like all the other nations. Samuel looked at that first part and took offense. God looked at it and said, no, it's the last part that they're really talking about here, and assured Samuel that they were um, indeed rejecting God and not himself. Um, they wanted to be like all the other nations. Um, 
in, again, I talk about it uh, frequently that it's difficult to translate one thing from another language or one language to another. That word like is in, it's called an all-inclusive word. So literally they're saying we want to be like every other nation in every way possible. We want to be like the, all the other nations in every way possible. We're not talking, they're saying, we're not talking just about a king because every other nation has a king. We want to be like, no, we want to be like those other nations in every way possible. So now we've got this, um, uh, have to balance a difficult um, theological dilemma. Um, we talk about it on Tuesday morning quite a bit at our Bible study, a theological dilemma that balances two things. Number one, what God wills. We've got to think about what God wills versus what God allows. What God wills versus what God will allow. Okay, so up until this moment, right, God was the undisputed king of Israel. Remember um, how I said the judges handled domestic disputes? Well, um, kings lead into battle, and kings go into battle. Kings handle the war, just like God did. But with God, for them, it went beyond just God leading them into battle. He literally did it for them. He fought for them. Look at some of these verses. Exodus 14, 14. These are some of my favorite verses about this. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm, right? Just keep calm and drive on, right? Because God is going to do it for you, right? And that's what God was doing for them. Look at that. This is Exodus. Deuteronomy 3.22. Don't be afraid of the nations there. He's talking about the, the promised land. Don't be afraid of the nations there. For the Lord your God will what? The Lord your God will what? Man, I could give you another dozen verses that say the same thing. Right? That God is there fighting for you, but these two really help us get the picture here. But getting back to Saul um, himself, or Shaul himself, what do we know about him? Well, again, we know a lot about him. Came from a very wealthy family. We saw that back in, in chapter 9. Wealthy, influential man named Kishi, who was his dad, right? Tribe of Benjamin. Skip to verse 2. His son Shaul was the most handsome man in Israel. Head and shoulders taller than anyone else in the land. Okay, so like I said before, Saul looked the part. You want a tall king out on the battlefield so you can rally around him, you can find him easily, right? Saul is a big guy. You want a king who is, who is uh, strong in battle. Saul looked the part. Saul was the guy, and he acted the part, Saul did, at first. So again, like I said earlier with Samuel, but with, with Saul, we could say that God was with Saul, but really, Saul was with God. Lincoln said that. It's one of my favorite Lincoln quotes. You know, they talked about the North and the South being opposite, and he said, um, our, whose side is God on? And Lincoln said, I'm more interested in being um, lined up with what God wants really worried than, rather than worried about, you know, which side he's on. I want to be, make sure that I'm doing what he wants me to do. That's where Saul was at first, lining himself up with God. And Saul, there's no getting around this, led the nation in several military victories, amazing victories. Everyone was behind him. It was all going great. But then, how shall I put this... Um, Saul started trusting in himself more than he trusted God. Victory started going to his head, and he thought, I'm the one doing this. I'm the one leading everybody. Everybody's rallying around me. It's all about me. And then it got worse, because he started to um, ignore and disregard 
literally direct orders from God. And then you lied about it. And that list that I'm talking about here that goes on and on for Saul. We could talk about the Goliath blunder, but we'll talk about that at a different time. But in point of fact, the story, the historical documentation, historical narrative about Saul really, listen to me now, really isn't about Saul. It's really about the Israelites. It's really about a nation turning from God being their king to an earthly king. All the Saul narrative does is explain to us and show us in very simple human terms how disappointing it is when we put our trust and our faith in anything but God. I want to emphasize again the fact that Saul looked the part. And you looked at that guy and you said, yes, that is a king. Look at the size of the sword that this guy can wield. We can see him all over the place. He is the one that's going to lead us into battle. Look at the victories that he's had in battle. He's the guy, right? And then all of a sudden, he wasn't the guy anymore. So the story about Saul, we can't get, a, we can't get past that. People rejecting God as their king, looking for something better. Looking for something like every other nation of the world had. Are you having God as your king? Or are you looking for to try to be like everybody else in the world? Now, I like I asked you before, is he your, the king of your universe? That's the question. Is he your king? Or maybe instead of that, instead of true or false or multiple choice, I should have a fill in the blank question that says, who is your king? Who's your king? Now, like I said, Saul trusted himself more than he trusted God. And God replaced Saul because Saul had replaced God. God replaced Saul because Saul had replaced God. Put himself in that category instead. Saul said, I am the king of my universe. I can handle this. When Saul had hard decisions to make, had to decide to either follow God or follow an easier course of action, guess what he did? He did that second thing. Followed that easier course of action. So the question remains, who is your king? Who do you follow? And scripture says this, God is looking for people after his own heart. God is looking for people after, what does that mean? Jesus several times stated it very simply. That doesn't mean it's easy, but Jesus said it very simply and very plainly. Look at Matthew 16, 24. Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. Anyone wants to be my follower, if anybody says that they have a heart for God, well, then they're going to be my follower. If you want to do that, you've got to give up your own way. Take up your cross. Follow me. I feel like, you know, when Jesus says that, we're, we're a batter up at the plate, you know? Got to give up your own way. Strike one. Got to take up your cross. Steve, right two. And follow me, follow tip, 
okay, we're still alive. We're still in this, right? Two strikes against us. And like I said, just because Jesus says it simply and plainly does not make it easy. In fact, it's going to be really difficult. Remember what I said about Saul, how he trusted himself more than, than God? Remember how I said about the Israelites? They wanted to trust anything but God, anything other than God. But the question that we can't get past, you know, when we read these, we think, oh, that was terrible, that person over there, oh, what about me, right? we got to put ourselves in the narrative. What about you? Is the creator of the universe your king? Or maybe I should ask the question, who is your king? Are you willing to follow him? Are you willing to give up your own way? Saul wasn't willing to give up his own ways. He's like, ah, I can do this better. I can figure this out myself. I don't know. When God says he's looking for people, people after his own heart, he's talking about that. He's talking about following Jesus. Well, what does that look like? Well, what else does Jesus say about that? Look at John 8 and 12. 8 verse 12, I mean. Uh, then Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. The one who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. Those other words, like I said, after God's own heart means you're going to replace your desires with God's desires, and there's going to be a difference in your life. When you follow the king, make, expect to get results in your life. I want to say it again. Just because Jesus said it simply and, and plainly doesn't make it easy. This is going to be rough. It's going to be tough. And you're going to have to want it. But God, Jesus, doesn't shy away from saying it's going to be a challenge. He doesn't even try to sugarcoat it. Reminds me of a time um, when I was with the Air Force Band. I got to play schools all the time. We did, um, you know, say no to drug shows. We did stay in school shows. And every once in a while, a recruiter would call and say, hey, um, you know, we're doing this career day at this high school or, you know, and, and we want you guys to come and play and be part of the military uh, part of career day. So they, uh, they, they'd carve out an hour for things like that and they'd carve out um, other hours for different things. So here we are playing at this um, recruiting, you know, career day with these military guys, with these recruiters. Um, there was an Army guy, there was an Air Force guy, and there was a Marine. Okay, so each of them, this was the plan, uh, we're going to take an hour, so the band's going to play like 15 minutes, and the army, each of those other guys are going to be able to talk for 15 minutes. It's like, man, you guys are going to talk for 15 minutes? What are you going to say? You know, join the army, you know, see the world. What, what's gonna, what else are you going to say? So the band goes first, just to warm the crowd up, and we may or may not have gone over a little bit of our 15-minute, you know, time allotment, I'm just saying. Army guy gets up. He's all into it, man. He's preaching harder than I am right now. And he's all into it, and he's all froth. He goes over his 15 minutes by a lot. Air Force guy gets up, not to be outdone, and he goes over his 15 minutes. By the time the jarhead Marine guy gets up, Tom, he's got like a couple of minutes, and then this portion of the assembly is going to be done. Well, we're in a big gym, kids all over in the place from different schools all over the district. So this Marine guy... He gets up. He's got maybe three minutes left. And he takes, I'm telling you the truth, like a full 60 seconds. And he looked around the auditorium. 
like he was looking into everybody's eyes. And then he said something that, that I think God would say, something that Jesus would say. He said this, after he looked around, and this place is dead silent. These kids are looking at him like, what is going to happen next, and what is this guy doing? And he says, I doubt there's more than two or three of you in this auditorium that could actually handle being a Marine. But I'd like to see them as soon as this assembly is done. And you should have seen the line of kids at that guy's table when this thing was done. But that's the raw honesty that God gives us, that Jesus speaks with. There's not a whole lot of us that can really handle this. But I want you to follow me. I want you to be part of that. But Jesus says this. He goes on past what that recruiter said. Jesus says, I am going to equip you. I am going to train you. I am going to be with you. And God takes it a step further and says, I am going to fight for you. Not just with you. I am going to fight for you. So my question for you on this Christ the King Sunday is this. Will you follow the king? Will you keep calm and follow on? Amen? I'm sorry, what? Amen? Okay, let's stand please.